Welcome to Seishura. I'm Elaine. And I am Scoop Magoo. And, um, so, you know what I like more than experimental music, Scott? Not much. Uh, I was going to say mispronouncing things. (laughs) And fortunately, we have a genre that allows us both, uh, called Zool. (laughs) I really like that intro. I'm very proud of you. you. I I was thinking about that (laughs) this week. Uh, because I was just thinking about like, like I'm looking at some of the titles of these albums that we listen to, and I'm like, I can't pronounce half of these. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, um, it, it is going so, to be. It's going to be interesting. Oh yeah, um, no, we're 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 going to look even dumber than we've ever looked. Thankfully, um, I don't think we have a. T- uh, well, actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say we don't have a, like that much of a risk of cultural ins- sensitivity, but actually, I, I uh, think that's wrong. I would argue. I will. I we'll, we'll get into it. So, um, <laughs> for those who don't know, this is another edition of our series of uh, what we call genre explorations, where me and Scott kind of go off on our own separate tracks and kind of uh, find albums within a certain genre that either pique our interest or you know, what have you, and then we come back here and report our findings to you and each other, and we talk about it and all that great stuff. And this week we decided to do Zool, the uh, famous prog rock subgenre created by uh, the band Magma. Um, and it, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while because Zool's always been like one of those genres that like I've always like heard about, and it's always kind of like been like in the corner of my eye whenever I'm looking at like experimental stuff. And, and but honestly, I've just never, it's like, like the one yeah. experiment. Sorry, interject. It's the one experimental yeah, go, go genre that like just doesn't sound real. Like it sounds yeah. like if you were just talking well, to someone like, well, it, actually, it, this is Zool. They'd be like, oh, it, fuck it, you. It's like Zool is also the uh, the the main villain in Ghostbusters in the first Ghostbusters movie too. <laughs> so I couldn't help but think of that, being like, oh yeah, Zool Zool possesses Sigourney Weaver in uh, the first Ghostbusters. That's awesome. isn't that great? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. But so um, I'm just gonna do a little bit of background on Zool. I I didn't do a ton of research. Um, basically, um, it is a genre, the, the name, which is coined by Christian Vander, who's the founder of the band Magma, uh, and it supposedly means vibratory music in, uh, a language that Christian Vander constructed called Kobayan, I want to say, um, and this whole constructed language is, it's kind of like, basically the first, I mean, I, I'm thinking about, like, Sigaros is, like, the only other band i can think of that they use like their own language kind of mm-hmm. in a band but uh this was a language that he ended up using for like it says uh like most of their studio albums so like 10 out of 14 of their studio albums are like using this language but are also this concept th- this like huge sci-fi concept arc about like this planet called kobaya i think because it's kobayan um and it's just yeah it's this whole thing um sonically though uh it's definitely within the wheelhouse of like you know 70s prog like you you can really see it sort of launching from that place but uh it hasn't like a lot of avant-garde tendencies Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of chanted vocals uh a lot of complex composition and uh some like improvisation thrown throughout it uh, it has, I mean, a lot of them had this very grandiose sound that, uh, the ones I listen to anyway, 
Um, yeah, it's it's. I I really I honestly the, the the way it was described, definitely didn't. I didn't expect it to sound like it did. Uh, and I I don't mean that in a bad way because I actually enjoyed all the music I listened to for this uh, exploration this week. Uh, it's just like I I think if you look at the name Zool and you look at the way you know it's written about it has like this epic like doominess to it that it's just like going to be like like almost like um you know that symphonic piece uh night on bald mountain you know it's in uh fantasia oh yeah yeah it, it like i felt like it would be like like the like the prog rock equivalent of that of just like j- just like total darkness and snaring the young and like you know transfiguring people into monsters and all this stuff and just like having this you know wretched sound to it almost uh whereas i love it yeah whereas it it was much more like uplifting for the most part yeah Uh, it it was really really, let's just dive into it because we um part of uh our idea was to uh listen to one album together or you know just make sure we had one common which was uh magma's i think their third album which is uh called mechanic destructo commando uh came out in 1973 um yeah do do you want to start in on this (laughs) yeah i will say um i didn't think this was as avant-garde as i I prepared myself for i mean definitely it was weird especially the the vocals i I think the vocals were the most (laughs) yeah um bizarre certainly aspects of it even forgetting the you know especially this album in particular yeah. uh out of I, the, there's one other in my list that was a little weird but nothing compared to this magna album yeah uh, when, it, when it came to those vocals and actually i didn't i didn't know that uh they sung with their own language i think that but i guess that, that kind of makes sense because um like the title of this album and some of their other albums felt almost german to me but they're they're a french band yeah. Um, so it, it felt like I was like that doesn't make sense, but I guess now well, it's the, a little bit more. If um, I, I I didn't look into sort of uh, the actual like you know linguistic underpinnings mm-hmm. of, of Kobayan, but like I like I I think he probably takes they probably take from a number of different languages. Sure. Um, you know to sort of make that because I mean it, it, even if you look at it like you know you you got a lot of umlauts. You know, you, you got a lot of just, you, but but everything still has this English sense to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who knows? <laughs> but uh, sonically, though, <laughs> this was so weird. Just like a, a, like similar to what you were saying. Just I, I went into this thinking, oh, this is going to be the weirdest fucking thing I've ever heard. And I mean, it was weird, but like. It wasn't exactly weird in the way I thought it was going to be weird. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mu- like, like musically, it was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it was like a standard. It definitely was a, a more. I mean, y- y- you can definitely see where it like it's it's definitely a product of its time in a way. Yeah. But um, it, it wasn't you know it wasn't like symphonic prog in the way of like a like a yes or anything like that. It was definitely darker. Definitely a little bit. Uh, it felt more operatic. Uh, I think. Yeah. Don't, oh, definitely. Don't, don't they have like a million members? They, I don't know because I so Christian Vander is like pretty much the only member of it. It's sort of like Stephen Stapleton and Nurse with a Moon that mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it's like basically his project. Um, it's so it's it, it's kind of tough. It, 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 and 
it's weird because the it's actually a prevailing trend in some other uh, Zool bands as well to have just like this central member mm-hmm. who is like it's like their project, um, you know. Which it, you know, now that you think about it, it kind of predates black metal in a way. Uh, when it comes to, like this this one man underground project, yeah, oh, that's a good point. Um, uh, but th- though I I, I I I think you know obviously he has people you know on the record as opposed to you know you know having some black metal project just do like everything on it mm-hmm. uh, themselves. But uh, I I really want to talk about how this thing sounds though because like I I was trying to like describe this. And I the the best thing I could come up with was I, I wrote down uh, it's like listening to the strangest acid rock opera ever made. <laughs> That's like the only way I could describe it is because like it has this like the you know it has those really proggy almost jammy tendencies to it sometimes, but it's so wrapped in all this avant gardeness and like you know I was even thinking of like sort of the way the first track starts off how it has that that piano motif that just keeps repeating and repeating but it gets like um it sort of takes like from like the minimalist in a way that it just it 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 ends up growing into something huge yeah and it's just like non-stop from there until the end yeah and i Uh, I think in a way and you obviously it 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 almost felt like symphonic kraut rock without like the yeah rhythm like it definitely it felt like it was building and it was repetitive, but it didn't have like that like the churn and in almost the crunch of kraut rock. Well, um, so it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I I remember reading somewhere that sort of Zool was like France's like sort of answer to kraut rock oh, in a way because I mean if, if you think about it they're happening at the same time yeah you know and it's like you know kraut rock was you know I think first and foremost sort of of reaction to you know world war ii and sort of uh germany trying to reestablish their own cultural identity after just all of the human atrocity that took place so um you know and i i think you know i france was not in the same way as germany but like i i think that there's kind of like that revolutionary mindset mm-hmm in music because you know i i mean so we're talking about like that you know mid 70s right now because this is oh, 1973 so early to mid 70s you know you're, you're talking about like music is finally being you know commodified in a really big way mm-hmm. uh you know and i think people are gonna take umbrage with that especially if if you're really interested in stuff that's you know not exactly mainstream you know mm-hmm. so anyway th- this this album is just like it i i wrote that like it, it starts off slow like i said with, with like that piano but it gets really cool really fast and just the the fucking epic scale of this album like it it, it sounds just so like it, it it really does sound like it's a concept album yeah it, it, like I have no idea what the story is, but but like, it has like this huge feeling to it. Like, uh, you haven't watched any of the new Star Wars movies, right? Oh uh, no. Yeah. So the latest, the last one, uh, Rise of Skywalker, 
they have this whole wait did, sh- should i do you want me to spoil this for you or not oh yeah i mean it's, it's, it's really not a spoiler but okay um there's this scene that takes place in uh like the sith home world where emperor palpatine has like like just like thousands of like sith worshipers just standing in all these grandstands all around him and chanting and it just reminded me so much of that in a way because it just has like this this just sheer epic fantasy space opera quality to it um you know just those 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 choral vocals too just keep adding to it but it it has like like sort of the scales like that they use i are are much more like melodic than i thought they would be like i, I thought it would be like a lot of like dissonance but it was a lot of like harmonizing yeah no exactly definitely um i think because for me like my entry point with zool was kind of it's it's offshoot in some ways like a a, um like brutal prod yeah brutal brutal i was gonna say like a re reestablishment where it kind of like you know in a way you can hear where it's coming from but I just I expected this to be a lot more abrasive and avant-garde, and that really wasn't what I got at all. And, and again, I don't mean that in a bad way. And that was one of the yeah. reasons I asked about the multiple members. I think I've seen some lot like one of their live albums or live shots where there are a lot of members. Like this just sounded like it was a big ensemble. Like it sounded like yeah. like a large um, a large piece. It definitely I definitely agree that it sounded like. Um, I say opera because of the the vocals, really. It's oh yeah, the... it, it, it's very operatic. Like yeah. it, it, it definitely has that feeling to it. But unlike a lot of opera, it doesn't feel like it's meandering mm-hmm. at all. Like it really feels like it has a direction to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, also it isn't four hours long, so you know that <laughs> that that's nice too. Uh, is it, it was actually pretty good timing. Like it was uh, it was a little under an hour, if I remember right. Uh, because I I think they included a um, a couple of demos at the end, mm-hmm. if I remember right. I, I don't know if it's the it could be the one I listened to after this. Uh, they all kind of blended together, in in some ways um, for me. <laughs> it's, it's been a weird week, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, you know, I I honestly wouldn't mind buying this because I think this is one of those musical oddities that are just like worth revisiting yeah for sure because like you're just never gonna you know hear the same thing twice in a way or at least like you'll keep hearing new things coming out of it Mm -hmm. um yeah so from here on in we we sort of took our own separate ways uh i did i have three more that i listened to but you have four more so we're just gonna switch off between each other basically Mm mm-hmm so, uh, so what what did what did you listen to next? Yeah, so I, I did my typical thing where I you know looked at the decades and, and tried to map the way that the the genre evolved over time. I think that with it being such a niche genre, it was a little bit, a little bit of yeah. slim pickings for me. Like there I mean, weren't a lot. I mean, of... it, it was it, it was a difficult thing to research because you know some of it is just like impossible to find online. Yeah, uh, I mean. I, I was lazy. I was like, I'm only listening to stuff that's on Apple Music. That's it. I was, <laughs> and, uh, I was actually able to find everything on Apple Music, which was cool. There, I think there was yeah. one album I looked for that I couldn't find, and I was like, yeah, whatever. The, um, there were a couple for me, but, um, you know, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. 
so the next one, and, and I think because of the way this is a niche genre, so the, you know, I did, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, 2000s, 2010s. Uh, the gap yeah. between releases is a little bit, like there's kind of a big jump in, in some areas and that they're close together than others. And this one, uh, I think was originally demoed relatively close to when Magma was in their prime. And this is uh, Eros by Dune. Oh, th- that's fine. That, that that's the one I have next to. So we might as well just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, no, but, but like it's, it, it was a you know clearly one of the bigger releases in the genre. And honestly, this I think this was probably my favorite of the bunch personally. Uh, I think this sounded a little bit closer to what I have in mind when I think of Zul and Avon Prague. Uh, it was kind of like a mix. I, I I'm assuming you, you're thinking of Ruins, the band Ruins, for for Zul or. No, like I, I think when I think of early, early Zool, I think this is Magma was a bit less, or was a bit more. Well, I, I, I meant like in your experience. Yeah, I would say Ruins was well that, and uh, there's a band called Yowie that I think Dave Trembley from Can This Even Be Called Music? That, I think that was the first time I listened to anything that was. Even. There, there's a band called Yowie. I'm pretty sure they're called Yowie, if I remember correctly. Like as in like Y A O I. No. Y O, I think it's Y O W I E or something like okay, that. Okay, because Yaoi is is it's basically like gay manga. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't it, think it's a, it's all about like underage schoolboys basically wow. just like okay. kissing. I, yeah, I don't think that's what they name themselves after. But um... well, to, to be fair, they, there's a lot of uh, you know translations of things that aren't always the same. Like um, like. Bukaki is actually like a food, <laughs> it, in like, but but you know, look on the internet, yeah, but it's, it's a not little, food a there. <laughs> oh, uh, that's really funny. anyway. So uh, uh, I'm I'm wondering with uh with with this album Eros, did you listen to the demos for it or? Um, I I listened through them. You know, I only listened to them once. I think I think yeah. I might listen to a couple of them. I didn't think that they. Um. I didn't notice a huge difference, personally. Or I didn't. I, I couldn't pull anything that I thought would be worth talking about differently. Did, did you have a different? I I, I didn't listen to them do, just because of, like it basically doubled the the the, yeah. the runtime, and I was just like, what? Like, why would I want to listen to demos of this? Like, I want to hear the finished product. Yeah, exactly. And again, I thought the finished product was. Um, was honestly my favorite of the bunch. I, I loved that it, it was really. I, there really wasn't an album that I listened to that I didn't like in this thing. Um, I'm so, I I think it's kind of funny that, that you really took to this one because it, out of all the Zool albums that we listened to, this one reminded me the most of Frank Zappa. Yeah, actually, I was gonna say I got a lot of. I mean, it felt like a mix of. Oh, what did I write down? I said it kind of feels like Jethro Tull and Return to Forever on a bad acid trip. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I it, it just reminded me of all like um. Like, if you listen to, like, some of Zappa's, like, longer pieces, like, he has a lot of, like, nested tuplets and, like, a lot of woodwinds and, like, xylophone work mm-hmm. throughout it. And I, th- that's all I could think of throughout all of that. Um, you know, I I will say, I, I think, um, I, I liked how goofy this album was as well. Yeah. Like, they, like, it just, there were moments of it that it felt like they weren't taking themselves too seriously. Whereas, like, Magma felt like, you know, it was like you know high art. 
Which, you know, if, if, if that's what Christian Vander wants to do, like, you know, good for him. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's just cool to see some bands, like, taking the piss a little bit. Like, the, mm-hmm. there's um, the track Arrakis. There's, a, uh, there's, like, this break in the middle of it where it gets, like, all kind of goofy for a second. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I mean, also, obviously, uh, the band's called Dune. And, like, half of the track names are all from, from the book Dune, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'm a really big fan of that book. So I, I enjoy that a lot. Though it's I, I, it's really nothing new for prog rock. It, it feels like every prog rock and, like, you know, early metal band, like, references Dune in some capacity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a really... Uh... It, well, either that or Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Yeah, it, there there are certain texts that are just very, very synonymous yeah. with with certain genres. Oh yeah, I mean, D- and Dune's fucking awesome. So like, it, and like, it gets so weird. Like, it is such a weird series. <laughs> I, I I wish I could talk about it more, but I I just I just can't because there just isn't enough time in the world <laughs> to talk about it right through it appropriately yeah just, i i i've read through some of the some of the plot summaries for the other books i because i only read the first one um <laughs> it gets so fucking weird anyway uh <laughs> I, I i really enjoyed this album as well um i i thought it was it was a really interesting take on it just sort of that they took like you can hear magma through this but it felt like the members of this band sort of channel that into their own vision, uh, which is really cool. Because uh, I, I, I think sometimes with these genres, you tend to, you, you, it's like sometimes you can come across a lot of stuff that sounds the same. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you're just looking at like sort of like post rock almost. That like you know you know how there's like that post rock sound now. Like it, it doesn't. It doesn't always have to be like that, but it, mm-hmm. sometimes it is. So, yeah, and I think something interesting I noticed here that consists, you know, continuing throughout is, I feel like bass is a really important part of, um, Zool, or, or at least on all the records I listened to, it was an intricate part of what I liked about it. I liked how prominent it was. I, I loved how, um, it took a focal point and added, you know different kind kinds of textures then because obviously around this time in the 70s it was about the jam and obviously you know all the instruments were important but i think it was very guitar driven time yeah i just felt like the bass was really just really great here but similarly i think the only reason jethro tull stuck out is because the the flute on this record was (laughs) awesome loved the keyboards and the piano especially uh i just i really loved the jazziness of this i felt like it was um Again, it was kind of the the type of avant Prague that I expected from Zool, but I liked how it pulled from a lot of other um, musical ideas that were, you know, happening around the time. I will say, yeah. the acoustic track at the end—I think it's literally called like acoustic, it's acoustic Freeman. Yeah, I yeah. that was probably my least favorite, only because um, just you know inherently in just did not have the same energy as the electric tracks which i mean that, that's I mean, it seems kind of obvious to say but yeah really it just it didn't you could tell that they were kind of using or pulling from a lot of the same ideas but um it, it just didn't hit the same way i mean it wasn't a terrible track but it, it was kind of it, it was a little bit of it i, I kind of wish that they put it in the middle as like an interlude and shortened it because as a finale it was a little bit a little bit of a yeah i 
I don't know if it was meant for it to be a finale or not. Because, like, when you have a track title like that, like, it makes me wonder whether it was just, like, kind of like a bonus track. Yeah, I think that, that might be a good way to look on. at it. I, 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 again, I, I don't really know. I'm not, you know, I don't know what happened in the band members' heads with all of it, so I could be totally full of shit. Probably the case. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's but, always interesting how... Um, yeah, like they, they intended it one way, but it was like a, my favorite example is there was a band called Self Defense Family where they had a forty minute long interview with a like an ex prostitute, and oh. they had the first first twenty minutes in the middle of the album and the second twenty minutes at the end of the album, and like oh. the idea was that it was supposed to be like the end of side A and B because I think in general the music was pretty mm. short. And so I think I wrote a no, thank you. <laughs> I think I wrote a review for Sputnik where I was like, I mean, it makes the album kind of difficult to, because li- it's not like it's it's forty minutes at the end. It also didn't, it just didn't. It was like okay, whatever. It wasn't really that. I think it was a lot deeper than they thought it was. And people were like, well, that's not how the band intended you to listen to it, you know, because it's supposed to be the side of a vinyl. I'm like okay, but like, it's it wasn't only released on vinyl. Like if you happen upon this on Apple Music, you're like, why the fuck am I listening to someone talk for twenty minutes? Yeah. Like what happened to music? It, it, it's it's kind of like um, the last track in Around the Fur, the Deftones album, mm-hmm. uh, is is like thirty something minutes, mm-hmm. and like most of that is silence. Yeah, and, and it's just like, why? I'm like, s- like same thing. Same thing with the uh, the last track on uh, Nevermind. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it also has like you know just a good amount of silence and it's like why like what amount of drugs did you take like made you think that this was an entertaining prospect i'm so glad that trend largely is over because i remember my dad had a um i think it was the album voodoo by godsmack and (laughs) yeah the last yeah, track. It, it, it had like 69 tracks of silence yeah it was an enormously and he would literally he would be in the car because he would just like be fast forward fast forward skip 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 because the last track was actually a really cool like it had Voodoo's like, good. like African drumming and it was just really really interesting but it was like why the fuck just make that a bonus track like it's not it's when you put in the CD and you see that there's 60 whatever tracks you're gonna know that there's something at the end like it's not a secret I mean, I, I, at least with those it's like you know like a second long track or like a two second long track so like you just kind of have to wait a little bit like like with with mx with that deftone song like there's no way to skip through that yeah it's actually just as stupidly long for no reason yeah it, it, and they include like two other songs in it too it, and so you have no idea where they are especially if you're using if, if you're you know driving around in the car listening to it uh like i i remember i burned a copy of it that actually like edited out the silence <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I'm I'm glad that largely that's um, well. Yeah. I mean, I think nowadays it's uh, when I worked at the the music production company, there was a an artist who wanted to have a bonus track, but it was its own separate track, and like we just simply could not explain to him that like when you put this on iTunes, they're gonna see like you can't you can't just act, like he wanted them to get the bonus track if they bought it and like just have it be a total surprise. I'm like that's not how. Like you can't do that. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. So I think just the way that everything's listed online, you know, with digital players, it's just difficult to kind of pull those those types of of marketing. Yes, yeah. it's definitely yeah, it doesn't work the same way anymore. Um, oh, I was my my last remark on this was just uh, it's interesting how you notice the bass because 
as always, I did not. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, you know me because I, I don't like I have trouble hearing bass. Yeah. Sometimes, and I I listened to I think all of the track all of the albums here uh, on my iPad. Mm-hmm. So I was just like you know like playing Tony Hawk or like whatever, and 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 like listening to this. So I I probably wasn't getting you know the full audiophile experience. Mm-hmm. Um, which I I don't know I. I, I feel like maybe if I listen to it on C if I had headphones on maybe it'd be a little different, but even then, I I'm pretty bad at, at picking out like lower end sound. So Yeah. Okay. So um my neck my the I, I guess since we did this one, do you want to talk about another yours or do you want to talk about one of mine? Uh sure, yeah, I will just because we we already mentioned it. Um so I, you know, it's our podcast. We make up the rules. So I actually, yeah. I actually own this one on CD, but I haven't, I, I, I haven't listened <laughs> to it for a while, and I was interested to see how it fit in with this sequence. So I, I remember we, we listened to this album uh, early on in a very early podcast. Do you know which one it is? It's a Ruins album. Yeah. It's Hydro uh, Hydro Mastgroningem, I think. I yeah, I'd say I I, I I I wouldn't remember that. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a <laughs> not. I have it written in front of me. I still can't. It's it, it, but it's the one on Zadik, right? And it has yeah. the uh, it, it's the the album covers of the desert. Yeah, and it's, I it's, think. It, is it part of like their New Japan series? Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, look at me, I listen to you. I learn things. <laughs> I oh, pay yeah. attention when you talk about Soren. <laughs> <laughs> Half pay attention. Oh no, I do. <laughs> Um, I'm just shitting. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of this was a, a pretty huge jump uh, because, like I said, Eros was recorded. I think like the demos were recorded in I think it was about '78. So really, it was only it was pretty close to when Magma was you know or, you know in their prime when it, or, you know whatnot, um, and it was officially released in '81. Whereas this album, well, I'm not going to repeat the title again, came out in '95. Yeah. So that's a pre, you know it's a pretty big gap, and this is kind of. It was interesting listening to this after two like real proper true you know original organic non-GMO Zool albums because I kind of get the 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 link like why Zool kind of moved a little bit more or like why Brutal Prog started it just they kind of just took the more intense rock elements and just amplified it I mean that's really mm. this to me sounded like more like brutal primus honestly because it's uh I could, yeah i can see that yeah, <laughs> or almost like lightning bolt if they were were more um i guess a little bit weirder because obviously yeah, lightning bolt's pretty weird but they aren't well it's, it's funny you mention that because the 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 next one i'm talking about uh, is also a yoshida tetsuya project and uh, it reminded me a lot of lightning bolt as well <laughs> yeah no because i think i think it's literally just bass and and drums I'm yeah, but Ruins is just bass and drums, but for some reason, but but they they made a note of saying that it was like numerous numerous bases bass players throughout the band's history. Oh, okay. Um, that it was it was just Yoshida Tetsuya, you know, sort of leading the band and playing drums. So yeah, and I, I think you know, the, like I said, the main difference is really noise rock intensity, and and you know, was, you know, kind of the way Brutal Prog went. It's almost a mix of some heavier math rock elements and you know, still you have the avant-garde tendencies and that really popped through 
with the vocals. Like a lot of the weird, you know, vocal inflections and just the way that it, it felt like really freewheeling. And I don't know if they use their own language or if they're just kind of vocalizing without any. I, 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 I know that um, uh, Tetsuya or Yoshida Tetsuya's other project. I, I'm pretty sure they make up their own language on the spot. Interesting. That's but an, that's an I don't know what, what the case is for ruins. Um, yeah, but I I do know that Tetsuya does. Uh, I'm pretty sure he does the vocals. In uh, in ruins, I think so. Which is which is kind of cool to think about. Just having like I mean, I, I Chippendale does the same thing, right? In Lightning Bolt. Yeah, he just kind of puts yeah. a. It's interesting. He puts like a gas mask with a, a <laughs> mic affixed to it on. It's really weird to look at. I would love it, to it just, see them live. Like, it just kind of sounds like um, almost like Mike Patton, like you know, singing through like a megaphone. Yeah, yeah. Um, Has like kind of energy to it. It's um, it's definitely oh the the weird vocals. Um, the residents might be an influence as well, because uh, the like I know that uh, Les Claypool's vocals are are apparently like heavily lifted. From the residents, um, I think but, so. I honestly haven't listened to the residents, but it is interesting you know, I, to see how many avant-garde. I really, I, I would love to do a residence exploration. Yeah, at some point because there I, are a number. I think there there are a band that warrants it. Yeah, so. you know, the, especially the um, like you know, Imperial Triumphant. It's I, I don't think that oh, residence yeah. cover. I think that's just part of the album because they don't label it as a bonus yeah. track. Um, yeah, it in like there are like, like I went on Reddit uh, a few weeks ago, just to see what people I uh you know wanted or what they thought the the best residence album to start with would be, and like I got so many different answers, which is really cool. Interesting. Uh, just to see how many people are like one into this band, but two just have all these different opinions on it. Um. Anyway, I'm 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 interrupting your your yeah talking about ruins, Hydromo, <laughs> well, whatever or other. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think a lot of it is like I I say brutal primus only because of just like the base forward approach. I don't think it necessarily you know is like funky or, or like any of this any of the the ancillary genres you, you tie to primus yeah it's it, it, it's it's just you know like yeah bassy and weird yeah which i mean <laughs> that's just kind of i mean it's kind of hard not to think of claypool when you, you hear that kind of stuff um, yeah and, i mean I, i'm pretty sure like frizzle fry was uh was like what like 91 or something like that like it was definitely like early 90s yeah so roughly around the same yeah i think i think that they like became a band in the the eighties and then you know released. I I just remember the because they their their first release was like a live thing called Suck on This if I remember right, and I think that was like put out in the eighties. Yeah, and there there was another band that they um, I think they released some demos with. That, I forget what the name of that band is, um, but it had most of the same members. Definitely Claypool, but yeah, it's what was interesting about this album is. I actually found myself. I still, I still really enjoyed it. It was nice to revisit it. I haven't listened to it for like a really, really long time. I think I bought it. Uh, I did like a really cheap discog CD buy. Like every CD oh, was right, like, right. like a few bucks, and I, I, you know, free shipping for a certain number of discs. Um, I kind of enjoyed it less than the first time I heard it, only because it just felt a lot less eclectic and, and dynamic than 
the previous two albums. It, it, Did you, just because like it's sort of like you you saw the man behind the curtain. Yeah, in a way. and and also just because it, it, there isn't. I mean, they definitely do weird stuff, and I think there are a few moments where they have some electronics or they do some weird like some weird effects on the bass, but there just are fewer instruments. You know, I think really only two throughout most of the album, whereas the previous two releases from you know kind of the, the heart of early you know the, the early days of Zool. Um, they just had more to offer and, and as an extension I mean I think this is taking the intensity that informed those early albums and, and just extracting it and taking it to a new extreme I think it, it contrasts better with other like when I listened to this after I listened to like a folk album or an electronic album it definitely it had more um, it, it had more pop to it but I think just listening to it in the context of, of I'm approaching this as like a Zool or a brutal pro or like I'm approaching it within this genre framework. It it mm. just didn't have as much to offer. Or, or even the, the more current albums that I listen to that we'll talk about in a little bit, um, it just didn't have the same kind of pop. But Yeah. It was still was still still really good and, and I would uh um definitely encourage anyone to listen to this. I would say almost a better example, um Hella which actually the drummer for Hella is I think Zach Drum Hill for Death Grips yeah um, yep. and I, they, they're more on the math rock end of the spectrum but they definitely touch on some brutal prog tendencies uh, also uh, what's the, what's that um, Moonchild album with the rose on it oh are you talking about uh, Six Litanies for Heliopolis yeah like obviously yeah. That, that's I mean they kind of do their own thing entirely but I got a lot yeah. of similar shades to Brutal Prog on that and in general I think that album I mean you want to talk about insane vocal performances that that's yeah. some of my favorite I, pattern I think if, if we're going to put other Zorn projects up there that kind of are in the same pool uh, the Painted Bird is is pretty in that spectrum of just like Brutal Prog Avant Prog kind of mm-hmm. um I'm pretty sure it has. I want to say Matt Hollenberg from. Um, wait, wait, is it Matt Hollenberg who's who's part of Imperial Triumphant? Uh, I don't know honestly. I don't know their. Remember, I, I, I'm I'm so bad when it comes to the like some of the people that Zorn works with sometimes, because like he he just works with so many people that it just like like some of them just fade into the woodwork for me. Um, anyway. Uh, you have anything more you want to say? On, no, uh, like I, I know yeah. this isn't. Uh, I think of the albums, this is probably the least Zool album in quotes. It's definitely. I think the Brutal Prog is, has taken on a life of its own, but it definitely has roots in in Zool, and and certainly this was. Uh, like I said, being such a niche genre, this is the 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 band that really popped out to me the most from the '90s that I want to talk about. But mm. I'm interested to see, or I was interested that within the 2000s and 2010s there are more bands maybe it's just because you know things go in cycles or you know there's you know interest in uh you know earlier decades you know each each decade you know there's more to look back at more to to take from but the yeah the two albums from the 2000s and 2010s i'm going to talk about later i think were more in line they're felt like modern versions of you know dude and and magma so i'm excited to talk about those but really interested to hear what you you listen to yeah, so my next one is uh, the band. The band's called uh, Koenji Hayake, uh, which is the, it's a side project of uh, Ruins. It's uh, Yoshida Tetsuya still doing drums and leading the band, but it's more of like a magma type of setup where it's like you know you have this grand lineup instead of 
just bass and drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm 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 gonna guess that you probably listened to Koenji Hayake as well. Yeah, which album did you pick? I picked uh, Nivram. Ooh, I decided a different one. Okay, so I, I'll talk about this, um, which I I mean, to me, like the the whole thing just I like not not to dismiss it because I I, I thought it was really interesting, but um, it, it's basically like a modern take on you know early like magma basically mm-hmm. uh you know you you still you have a, like a lot of those chanted vocals but you have a lot more like you know avant-garde weirdness thrown in with everything and they're just like it felt like it was even more complex than magma or dune were mm. uh like it just felt like like tetsuya would just like throw in just like all this random shit on you um I I tried to I, I tried to describe this in a couple different ways. Um, one of them was I, I wrote down it says uh, it's kind of like if Lightning Bolt was a Yes cover band. Yeah, I love. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. That's yeah, a really good comparison. I like that a lot. There's oh, my my first one though was parts of it sound like if Yes took a ton of hard drugs after listening to free jazz and the religious music of every culture in the world played yeah. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. It just, it has this very grand thing, you know, just this grand idea to it, uh, this this aesthetic to it. And it just, it reminded me a lot of, like, you know, like, religious music, mm-hmm. in a way, because of just that, that grandness and, you know, just sort of the way they were chanting things. And it, even though I, I, I guess a lot of it was just, like, made up on the spot, but... So, yeah, it was... It was a really fun album. Um, I really love the album covers that Koenji Hayake has. Oh yeah, like a lot of them are really cool looking. Uh, there's one that came out in like 2010s and in, in the 2010s that I actually wanted to do initially, but it wasn't as well regarded as I uh, as Nivram. Um, so I was just like, I'm just gonna do this one mm-hmm. instead. Um, there was actually a different one I wanted to do instead of Nivram, but they didn't have it on Apple Music, so I, I was just like, "Fuck it." <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I ended up coming out really liking this too. Um, the the next one I have to talk about is probably my favorite, though. So, but um, what, what, what's uh, what's your next one? Yeah, so I did um, Anger Shispa. Uh, I think just because this. I think it, is that is that the one with the oni on the cover? Yeah, like the, the, and I, the devil. I don't, I don't think that it. Um, I don't think there was a huge variance in in the ratings that I, I I saw, and I just personally this one looked. I think maybe this had more ratings, even though it was rated lower. So maybe that's why I chose it. I'm not really sure, but in, in any yeah. case, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. This this really just felt like a modern version of Magma to me, and not in a. Um, like I don't mean that in despair like this isn't like a Greta Van Fleet thing like they basically just yeah. like it really felt like they took what Magma did and, and you know Dune to a lesser extent and just improved it I mean obviously you know I guess this is no brainer day for me but it obviously just sounded better you know they had you know better production at their disposal um, but just it, I felt like everything was just so much more vibrant it felt like all the progressive you know, the progressive elements, the avant-garde tendencies were just shined a lot, a lot better. I th- their writing mm. was a lot more, um, 
I think informed by a lot of the adjacent genres that have since come to influence Zool and Brutal Prog and just Avant Prog in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that um, that description, like Yes meets Lightning Bolt, because I think that is such a great. That's that really is a great um, description for just Zool in general. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. I, or at least modern yeah. takes on it. The way that it, it's evolved over time. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's it, it's definitely more like operatic, you know, in the early days. Than I, I think it's more noisy now. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I will say that it, it was right around here. Oh, it was really. It kind of started with ruins, but definitely more on this album. I started to feel the length of these projects a little bit. It definitely. I, so, th- I think it was primarily. I think if I just listened to each of these in isolation, it wouldn't hit me as hard. But okay, so so did did you just spend like one day just working and just listening to all of them in a row? Yeah, I, I did that okay. on. Um, I think either Thursday, Friday last week, and then I did it again today, just you know, just to to keep it fresh and and, and yeah. Take all that See, stuff. I, I I would just listen to like one a day usually. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that if I listen to you know one at a time, you know, one off, it wouldn't feel this way. But I think, and I try, I did take breaks in between, either listening to another album or just you know not listening to music. But um, I think that in general listening to a lot uh, like there are some bands I can listen to like several other albums back to back or I listen to a genre like I listen to a number of death metal albums in a row and I know yeah. you know it's you know it's not apples to apples obviously but I think just yeah, because will, of how I mean it, like I think with, with death metal you know what you're getting into yeah. but, like you're familiar enough with the genre and like most of it isn't you know verging too much on avant-garde complexity you know whereas this is just all avant-garde complexity <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think just because of how you know how complex it is, how um, I mean, just because this really is like an experiential genre. Like, I don't think you could pick out a single track. Um, I, I think you just have to sit down and listen to it. And for that, it requires a lot of dedication. It requires a lot of just letting the music waft, you know, wave over you. Um, mm. But I, I mean, I really, I think this might be. I don't know. Big, this might be my favorite of the bunch. I really liked. Uh, I think the authenticity of Dune. I mean, just it just felt it felt more like a, like the the most Zoolish album of, of the bunch. But I think it's, it's and, kind of ironic in a way. But yeah, yeah. But <laughs> definitely the. Uh, um, I think this was probably the best sounding one. I, I really really enjoyed it, and, and I loved. I just thought it was so well produced. I know we don't talk a ton about production on this podcast, but just for some reason, just the way that this sounded, I think I think it was because of that contrast with you know Magma having you know released mm. so many decades earlier, just didn't have the same access to the technology that you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. The like uh, Nivram was, was was definitely like just it sounded very clear mm-hmm. and just like. Yeah, it, it it definitely had just a um, like a verisimilitude about mm-hmm. it that you know Magma didn't have, but I, I I think the reason Magma didn't have that in this album was you know mostly due to you know the restraints of technology mm-hmm. as opposed to you know um, you know the, the the actual talent involved. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um. Okay. So. I have my last one, uh, which I'm assuming you've probably might have this too. 
on yours. Um, this is Black Oni by the band Guapo. Oh, I um, don't. That sounds cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I I initially wanted to listen. There they had another album that was called like uh, like Seven Sons or something like that. And the album cover is like so fucking cool for it. Like just psychedelic as hell. Um, unfortunately, they did not have that album on Apple Music. And I was very bummed out. And they didn't have... Because I, I wanted to actually sort of bookend my listening with Magma. So I wanted to listen to another Magma album after this. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find that other Magma album. So, you know, Black Oni ended up being my last listen for this. But it's probably my favorite out of all of them. Like, I would probably return to this one more than any other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of sort of how much contrast there is within itself like it's not like you know like with that magma album like it was pretty much just like chorus vocals all the way through whereas this was you know completely instrumental you know kind of like a brutal avant prog sort of blend had like a kind of like a post-rock flair with to it almost just in that it would build up a lot of passages and then it would be very silent and just kind of small mm-hmm. for a good amount of time as well. And it was just very, like, it really sucked you in to it. And it really kept me listening to it. Uh, not so much in the album cover. It's really cool looking. And just the name, Black Oni, just sounds really cool. That is really cool. Um, yeah, it, it was a, it, and it was a, uh, I think it was like one of those albums that the entire album is one single piece so it was divided into like five songs that were all like roman numerals Mm -hmm. um so you know that too sort of made it flow in this really interesting direction um you know it was i i I have no idea what the availability is to get this thing on cd but i wouldn't mind looking into it at some point because like it it was just it, it was a very very interesting listen um like similar to uh, the the magma, album, I just I mean I, I feel like all of these are worth owning actually, but I I but Black Oni especially just because of I I think that there's if I listen to it with headphones on I think I would get even more out of it because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that's going on that's like right below your level of hearing or at least like you know sort of whatever like the ambient sounds of your room kind of mm-hmm. that you're listening in so. Um, it'd be cool to have more of like a dedicated listen to that. Awesome! I, mean, I was just uh, just googled the album cover band. It looks really really cool. Um, yeah, it's it, the uh, the uh, other um, album cover for like Seven Sons or whatever was was so much cooler. But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Which one was uh, that? Uh, is Seven Sons I think by Guapo. Yeah, uh, but what did you have for your last one, though? Uh, my last one, this was uh, one that also was posted by um, uh, Mr... D- Dave Tremblay. David, yeah, Dave Tremblay. Oh, uh, we, we should have Dave on. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, he... Uh, like, he, he knows so much more about music than, like, either of us were, like, will ever know. <laughs> yeah, he just, he, he's, a, he's a machine in terms of consuming yeah, music. Yeah, it, I, it would just be cool to talk to somebody who was just, like infinitely smarter than us i mean i i guess that isn't <laughs> hard to find to be fair but uh wow. but just like i don't know it, it you know it, it'd be cool not to feel like like we need to be an expert yeah in, in a way so i appreciate the the the, the, the mutual dunk 
Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, do, the, the stupidity is 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 a, a cooperative yeah. thing in in Seishura. So oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, but I picked. I mean, I kind of knew I wanted to do this one just because I just love the. Uh, I love the album cover. Love the name, even though I can't pronounce it. I'm going to try my best. All um, right, but it is the album. It was also, I think it was the highest rated from the 2010s, or was one, at least this band was, but frankly, I just oh, like I, this album cover. I, I remember this, actually. They, they, uh, is this the one that you just sent to me? Uh, no, I just I, I just, I remembered a couple that I was sending to you before I forgot, because those, those okay. are other albums I considered talking about, but I chose this one because okay. I hadn't heard it before, and it is a Quetzalcoatl, like Karima, I think. Okay. Um, I, I think it's a Quetzalcoatl, because I, are you talking yeah. about the, um, the, the Mexican... Uh, God. Yes, it, yeah. it is indeed, and it, you're sticking true to the mispronunciation that we talked about earlier. <laughs> um, but this was this felt like a if Quinn uh, if the the last album I'm not going to try I'm not going to butcher it again. But if if the last album we just talked about last artist uh, was more Black Oni by uh, Guapo. No, Kwanji. Yaki. Oh, Koenji Hayake? Koenji Hayake, thank you. Jeez. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to take the L for today. Um, <laughs> but if they're more in line with Magma, I felt like this band was more in line with, with Dune. It, it felt like a chiller version um, of Koenji Hayake. That was okay, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a chiller version. Almost some borderline spiritual jazz elements, but definitely more in line with the, like the jazz fusion uh, end of the spectrum um again i think the length got to me this one is i think almost like an hour and 15 or even longer um but mm. still every track was was excellent uh it just it, it's it's such a it it just ebbed and you know, i wrote down it, it ebbed and flowed and, and you know rose and fall i think better than any any of the other albums uh I think mm. you know, partially it was just because it was so long. There was just so much music for that, um, you know, that trajectory to unfold. Um, I think it benefited a lot from the, you know, like we talked about the newer, um, the, the newer production techniques and just the ability there. But it, it it had that big ensemble feel. It just really it was a, it was a a really a modern culmination of everything that we've we've talked about to this point, and it definitely. I appreciate the fact it was a bit, um, a bit chiller. It was kind of a nice cool off. The fact that it, it was definitely a little bit more, um, not like atmosphere. Subdued. Yeah, I think they, that's actually a good word because I was going to say atmosphere, but it wasn't. It wasn't atmospheric. It definitely was more subdued. It was more. Um, again, I think spiritual jazz is probably the most like a spiritual jazz fusion. It felt like very rock oriented, but definitely was taking its time. Was was a little bit more. Um, it wasn't operatic, but definitely had some kind of like group vocals, and, and, and it helped make like that big ensemble feel. Um, I loved it. I, th- I thought it was a, a really, really, um, that was a really, really great end to the album. And, and I just sent you the the Bandcamp link because I, I think that oh good the album good. cover is is oh that beautiful. that is a really cool album cover. Really, really cool. Um, I mean, is that supposed to be like a take on like Aztec art? I guess so. It's, like, it's, it's it kind of looks like it, which I mean, like, you know, a lot of that, like Aztec, Mayan, like Tolmec 
or did I say Tolmec? I think Toltec. I think <laughs> isn't Tolmec the uh, the that talking head guy from uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple? It it might be. Um... <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what are we getting ourselves into? <laughs> what a tangled ass web we weave. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, the, the, that looks like a really cool album. So. Yeah. Um, except that it does not have a CD, which which really yeah, bumps no, me out. No dude. merch options, which I think is is interesting. Uh, it, it it might it might have it on Bandcamp. You never know. Um, but no, they uh, the way you're talking about this really sounds up my alley. So I definitely want to check this out at some point. And um, I guess so. Takeaways overall from. Uh, from this time we spent with Zool? Yeah, I, I think it's, for me, this is like a, this genre is like a nice, peppery, expensive red wine. Like, I, I feel like that I, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to a ton of it at one time, but it, just on it, you know, having it once in a while and really, you know, sitting down, enjoying it, not doing anything else, it, it's, there's so much to offer, and, um, it's interesting how how it's progressed and how it's um, it's kind of remained in, in a niche genre. I mean, I don't think it's ever it's ever really peaked. I think the other genres you've talked about have, in some way, shape, or form, crept their way into the the, the mainstream in, in some way or another, or, or they've had their moment. But I feel like this is it's kind of remained like a a passion project for artists, and it, it's it's a really it's just a cool genre. It's everything here was just um, it was fascinating to hear like all the different genres that I could imagine took influence from Zool and ultimately um, how you know, Brutal Prog and different subgenres and offshoots have evolved to take in other influences you know like math rock, yeah. rock stuff like that and I don't know I thought this was a really it was a really good idea and I'm glad that we haven't done one of these in a while and it was it was yeah. a fun fun little trip yeah, I, 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 these are definitely some of my favorite uh, segments to do on uh, on this podcast, and uh, you know, it's just I, I love discovering like this esoteric type of like avant garde music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that Magma was on the uh, the famous Nurse with Wound list, um, which makes me almost want because I, I've always I, I we've talked about this before. I think mm-hmm. of possibly doing like a segment where we. Uh, try to go through the nurse with wound list, uh, but I, I mean it's it's it, it can be a little difficult. But you know, like just for, from this experience alone, it's just it's it's a very fruitful area. Uh, you know, it's it's I, I think it's just it, it's just really cool to always find stuff that you never knew about or like you just never had any real idea about, mm-hmm. uh, and just and then and then find that it's fascinating just on a musical level so yeah overall a lot of fun uh, let's do albums of the week then so scoots you got an album of the week for me i do um i actually had to go to portsmouth to pick out my or uh, well not pick out but get size for my tux for my wedding um, yeah. uh, Lauren bought her dress in, in Portsmouth, and, and as a result, I got a free, um, the free tux rental. So that was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, oh, while, cool. while I was there, I went to Bullmoose because why? Why the hell not? 
and yeah. picked out a, a pretty fun assortment. Uh, I think from that, I, I was going to leave it till now to figure out which one I want to talk about, but I'll talk about the one that I listened to first on the ride home, and it's a it's a release that I, w- I was surprised to find just because it seems like this band always has it's always their newer stuff, which I'm just not really interested in. But this is one of the first symphonic black metal bands that I ever sh- you know had any real interest in. Uh, I just didn't listen to. Oh, can I can I take a guess at this? Sure. Cradle of Filth. No, but that's that's a good Emperor? guess. Yeah. I, uh, I I like them too. I, I didn't actually even oddly enough, I wasn't aware of Emperor until college. In high school, my my friend just gave me like a flash drive of a bunch of metal, and uh, this band was on it. And this album always stuck out to me. And that is uh, Enthrone, Darkness Triumphant by Demu Borgir. Oh yeah, okay. it's a really um, it's really really good. Like I don't, I, I think. The fact that they, remember, is is that the one with the um, the, the dude in the throne? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what the name for that 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 the the creature is that does that. Like, it, it, he has one hand up and one hand down, right? Oh no, that that's that's one of their later ones. This one came oh, out okay. in uh, '97. Isn't that Baphomet? Yeah, it's Baphomet. Yeah, Thank that you. was uh, that um, was actually the first album that I. I overall heard it might be one of the first black metal albums i ever heard period but then i dug okay. through like he literally gave me a flash drive with all of the all of their stuff and and just you know <laughs> gotta love LimeWire, yeah, right take a pause and say piracy is bad don't pirate this, <laughs> yeah this was when i, I didn't know better uh, yeah do in, as in, we say not as we do yeah in sorte di- diable i haven't pirated music in a really long time which i know it's, yeah, me, it's me like either a, i i well i i think part of it is just like i i don't really listen to like stuff that I download, like I I usually just tend to listen to most like most of the stuff I listen to is stuff I physically bought. Yeah, so, I I think yeah. what ha- what ended up having I mean it, the allure was pretty it was pretty obvious. Like I was I didn't have a lot of money. I was in high school, um, and it was you know it's really really easy just to like download free illegal shit. Uh, but I found mm. that because it was so it just inherently devalued everything I I pirated. Because like yeah. I could just down like I literally like I said I I had, got like I had every album at that time, from like Nile, Cannibal Corpse, Suffocation, you know, Demi War Gear. Uh, it, it, it's tough to appreciate it all when you're like you know it it would be like trying to climb a mountain like when you've like not even climbed a hill. Yeah, exactly. In you, a way, you don't even know so. like I didn't even know where to start most of the time. I just kind of would just yeah. randomly pick an album. There was I think most of them I didn't even listen to at all. So I think that's what ultimately made me, you know, just stop because it, it just it, what was the point? Like yeah, I had access to all this music, but I wasn't really listening to any of it because it was so um, you know, there was just so much of it. Um, yeah. But th- this so, this album really yeah. stuck out and I think I don't really know why they caught on as much as they did in relation to... I don't really think that they're any more accessible than any other symphonic black metal band. Well, he, here, here's my theory. Metalocalypse. Oh, that's a good... That's a good... Be, yeah. Be, be, because they have uh, they have Demu Burger 
<laughs> in oh, Metalocalypse, like the, the fast food chain. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't seen really a, a, like a ton of Metalocalypse, honestly. Oh my god, dude! You, you out of all people would love Metalocalypse. I'll just I'll see if I can find it online, just because uh, yeah, yeah, it seems it, like a show it, I would like. It has never really watched. It gets it. super convoluted the later seasons you go, but like like the first two are really worth watching because because the, they're they're just bad shit insane. Yeah, it it is just like. But like it's just full of like aha metal references, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you know like half of the cast is are are just like metal singers. Like Corpse Grinder is like it does like a villain in it. Oh, uh, awesome. Angela Gossow does a villain in it as well. Mike Patton is in it. Oh, that's, um, that's yeah. I gotta watch this now. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually th- th- that's what I'm gonna do this week. I'm gonna rewatch Metalocalypse. So, but <laughs> thank you, Scott. But yeah, like. <laughs> It's I kind of I kind of get where the hate for Cradle of Filth came from just because um, I think Danny Filth is his name like he was kind of an annoying persona and the fact that they had like that <laughs> that the, you know Elizabethan horror like gothic you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff it felt very very sticky you, you know that they always remind me of like the, the, they're like the Bring Me the Horizon of black metal yeah yeah in a way that's that's actually a really good way to put it so <laughs> well they they, they they just like. You know, and this is regardless of their music. Um, you know, it's it's just like they, they kind of have like that scene stir kid type of like persona sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> I think I because I, I don't think that they get hate to the same degree. But I think Demo Borgir is like, oh, like that's like the you know entry or that that's like plebeian symphonic black metal, and I I disagree, especially on their earlier stuff. Um, it just it sounds like really well done symphonic black like there's a lot of ebb and flow there's some really really fast parts but it's it you know they also leave room for some atmospheric mid-paced stuff like it's not just there's really no gimmick to the music it's not like they're just <clears> all like i think of a band like dark funeral dark funeral is basically just like marduk jr they and they <laughs> literally just like blast their way through everything it's just like super fast aggressive black metal like it's fun to listen to but it's pretty it's pretty one-dimensional um, like it's not even I, that. Like they, they, you know, they aren't just all blast beats. They aren't just all symphonics. I think they do a really good blend. Um, I mean, I, I think in general, symphonic black metal is pretty, pretty accessible overall. This, you know, when it comes to to black metal and extreme metal in general. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I know uh, Emperors in the Nightside Eclipse is is one of my favorites. Like you know, it's it's it's, it's definitely an easier listen than just putting on like like Transylvanian Hunger. Yeah, exactly, um, because you still get a lot of like, you know, the frosty black metal goodness, but but it's still, you know, it's a little it's cut with some yeah, it's, it's a little cushioned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think but I don't think that diminishes it at all. And in fact, I, I think yeah. that it makes like I really enjoyed this was almost an hour long and, and sometimes that can be a little long for for metal albums just cuz there's so much ag- aggression and and especially for um you know, bands like like not, I didn't mean to like shit on Dark Funeral, but like, like <laughs> bands that are just like super it's too late. <laughs> yeah, like bands that are just like super fast. Just it's, it feels like just blast beat after blast beat after blast beat. But like I, I really loved how every track was super dynamic. Every track um, gave like the full breadth of what you would want for like there were some colder passages, some more sinister riffs, some beautiful you know arrangements with uh, I don't know if they're real strings, but at least it you know it had that kind of like '90s you know synth pad string is this aesthetic yeah i it's funny you talk about just like going fast for fast sake because like that's pretty much what like napalm death and like early death metal were trying to do 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's why I don't. Uh, I guess while we're dunking on bands, that's why um, Enel Nathrock is a pretty popular modern band. Oh, they're, right. Yeah, they're one of the few because on most like really well known um, band, or they're like I don't really hate a ton of artists. I'm usually just indifferent to them, or like I don't really care for them. I really don't like Enel Nathrock because they really use, um, they use a drum machine. And it's like basically like almost like black and grindcore in a in a way. Yeah, what's that band uh, that that uh, what's his name project uh, that Scott Hall project that does the same thing? Oh, agoraphobic uh, uh, nosebleed. nosebleed. But see, with yeah. them, they they program it in a way where it at least feels somewhat believable. But in all Nathrock, it literally it literally sounds like they just press the blast beat button. <laughs> like they, it's like every song is like the don don like it's a chug and then like a pensive riff and and they syncopate with the cymbals and the, the snare and then the, the lead singer screams and the blast beat just goes at like 500 bpm and then it just stops for like two seconds and then it goes over it's just have you ever listened to um like any digital hardcore by any chance like uh like atari teenage riot uh i think you let me borrow a cd at one point yeah because yeah. like they, they they that's another example of like using drum machines in like a really fast way but like it's super cool the way the way they do it but yeah I, i'm just i'm just throwing stuff out there right now yeah i'm just thinking about dimu borgir i'm looking at that the album cover for uh, death cult armageddon because i remember like looking at this album cover and being like so entranced by it because mm-hmm. it's so cool looking um yeah <laughs> i i definitely want to take a take a ride through symphonic some uh symphonic black metal now and, and watch the metal octopus yeah <laughs> Do anything for Death Clock. Do anything for Death Clock. <laughs> death Clock. Death Clock. Death Clock. Yeah. Okay. Um, me now. <laughs> Album of the week. So, uh, I I was I was actually thinking of doing um the powers that be because I was listening to that yesterday and I fucking love that album. Um, but I actually had this this album in the car that I enjoyed even more and it is uh the debut album from uh, the Budos band. Um, I, are you familiar with them? Yeah. By any chance? They, they, like yeah. their aesthetic looks like a stoner rock band, but they're like a, a jazz rock band. That's more of like their later career stuff okay. that they, they've been trying to like get like metal kind of. Because I remember um, I watched a Why You Know review where like the album came out yeah. and I was like, oh, so like it usually he doesn't talk about stoner rock. But it's inf- and then he starts talking about jazz. I'm like, wait, what? Like, yeah. So that's that's what's cool about the Budos band is that the, so, so they're signed to Daptone Records or at least they, they were uh, I'm pretty sure they still are but um, you know Daptone is like one of those uh, sort of like retro soul labels that is trying to like sort of keep the aesthetic of like Motown and like uh, you know some of those uh, R&B labels live mm-hmm. in a way um, but what makes them really different is that like they, they attack you know sort of R&B music with sort of the mindset of a jazz band. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you know, you, you get a lot of, like, that that funkiness and, like, you know, it, it's all instrumentation that you would hear, like, straight out of, like, a black exploitation film. You know, like uh, like a Superfly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, or Black Dynamite, which but technically is, is a parody of black exploitation films. Um, which is a good movie, though. Very good movie. Highly recommend super fun to watch um he 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 i think the movie ends with him fighting richard nixon so um <laughs> it's 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 so good <laughs> anyway um so but but the so the buddhist band will like they'll 
they'll play all these solo instrumentals because it's all instrumental music that they do. But they make sure it, it, it doesn't get boring with them. Like they're like whenever you think that things are going to start repeating like one too many times, they start breaking into like solos or you know going to like a bridge section. Like it's it's very well written. It's super tight, uh, and the licks that they come out with and the riffs that they come out with are just super memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never really listened to more of their stuff aside from their first album. But at the same time, I don't really regret that because it is a great, great album to listen to. And it's a great it's great car music too because it's just like super funky. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's just like, uh, I mean, it's, it's just enjoyable, I think, at the end of the day. But, you know, it's, it, it, it's taking something that could be boring and making it, you know, just absolutely interesting. So, yeah. Nice. I should really check them out because it, it sounds interesting. At least the novelty of... Uh... De- definitely check out the debut album. I can't speak for any of the other ones. I know that they've... I, apparently their last few albums have not been well received. But um, I really haven't listened to any of their stuff aside from them. But it was actually the Needle Drop who turned me on to them in the first place funnily enough because uh he but i think it was one of his vinyl collection videos from like way back in the day and so he has a uh buddhist band ep and it has like a picture of like a scorpion on it and the way he was talking about it was like that sounds cool and i started looking into it and i'm like damn this is a cool album so there we go (laughs) speaking of just one final cap off speaking of the fantano major credit for having the balls to to have logic on um, oh, I I saw that the logic interview. I'm like, damn. I didn't watch it, but like, I was like, man, dude. Me like, I, for both of them, yeah. Like someone, I mean, obviously he had some pretty nice things to say about his like very last, which supposedly is his last. I mean, <laughs> quote unquote last. Yeah, I know we always have this conversation. And, yeah. And I, I mean, given how old he is, I would be shocked. Um, yeah. But in any case, yeah, it was it was you know it was really cool that they. I mean, I didn't listen to the conversation, but the fact that they both were like, yeah, let's have a conversation. Um, by the way, most of your music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, but by the way, like your last two albums that came out the other year were like the two worst albums of the decade. <laughs> like, like it's not even a joke. Like, if you look at like rate your music, like Supermarket and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind are like both down there in like probably the top ten worst albums of the decade. Wow. Uh, which is just, it, I feel like most of it is because of Fantano actually, because like. I don't know, if, if, like, he, he he has a pretty big influence, you know? Yeah, like, it, people, it's just interesting. People would joke about it on, on, you know, they'll comment on reviews and be like, you need to publish this review, I don't know what to think about it yet. Or something, something, <laughs> something to that effect. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I, I definitely, you know, we've talked about before, like, my tastes have, have diverged from his over time. Like, I, I just, yeah. he was huge in... Helping to because you know I use Pitchfork to help inform my taste you know late high school early college just to try to branch out from my deathcore roots um, yeah and then put on some really thick glasses ex- instead but like I just <laughs> felt like Fantano was Pitchfork but like more relatable and also a little bit more individualistic like he he didn't really Pitchfork definitely um, drinks the Kool Aid of what like what they yeah. should lo- you know like Kanye will never get like below a, a seven or yeah, or, or like you know Fantano's definitely honest yeah I think he's know? really honest I think so. sometimes he's missed the mark a little bit I think some of his reviews I was actually really disappointed with um, his like the, he had a, he had a, a segment which I always credit him that he's willing to do this he had a segment 
where he asked people to say what are like my worst reviews and everyone just bitched and moaned about stuff they disagree with him um, <laughs> which is like I don't, I don't know like he's have asked for some like for example I've talked before that I think his Chance the Rapper review he, he his whole crux is that the lyrics are bad but he only quoted lyrics from one song and I'm like yeah. well, that's not like a holistic argument but in general I really appreciate how he approaches music yeah I, it, I mean especially like this year uh with like the new fiona apple album that like he was like one of the few reviewers who like didn't give it like a perfect score that was i mean i i love the new fiona it's one of my favorites of the year but the, like when pitchfork gave it a 10 okay fine whatever but when they said no music has ever sounded quite like this it's like fuck you the last fiona apple <laughs> album sounded like this <laughs> like it didn't sound exactly it's, like this she definitely is I, exploring some new territory for her but this isn't like the most cool. my, 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 my point was was just that like you know Fantano's willing to call out music that he doesn't exactly vibe with oh yeah but exactly so. like he he isn't like I feel like he's genuinely talking for him for his uh like I think he, he interviewed Tim Hecker and then put out I mean I don't know what like the sequence was but then he put out I think he gave love stream like a six out of ten or something like that like he, yeah. he definitely is like this is just my honest opinion and he gives you know there are very few Obviously, he's not good series. You know, he, he can be a little <laughs> bit harsher than he would otherwise. But I don't know. I, I always yeah. appreciate him. He's he's a but good. I, I feel like with a lot of the not good albums, like they like he he, he labels them like that because it's it's kind yeah. of obvious. And also, they're usually not albums so. that people are like clamoring to defend. Like I, I don't remember the last yeah. time he picked an album that like was really being celebrated by. Um, well, I mean the the new six nine album, obviously. <laughs> oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that that came... Uh... I watched that review this morning. It was great. Uh, yeah. I, you, you should see the Sputnik reviews for it. People are just, like, like wanting to kill him. Like, just kill 6 9 Just, like, they, they hate him. <laughs> I just don't... I don't know, like, his whole... Um... Oh, the, the, the whole shtick is, is, is annoying. It, it's, it, but, it, but at the same time, like, I mean, it's like, I, I don't... I have no interest in listening to the guy's music. And I, you probably shouldn't be, you know, not in jail, um, kind of, <laughs> based on the things that he's apparently done. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't really want to just have these people be like, oh, like I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, he should die. Like, no, that's <laughs> like he's annoying for sure. Be nice to have him to not be on the internet. Yeah. But you know, exactly. <laughs> you can say that a lot about a lot of people. <laughs> But one one final because you, you brought up Takashi. Um, yeah, it's funny we've been having um, like weekly just like full team check ins at my company, and we have like a guest. Like it's it's really really quick. Like this is where we stand numbers wise. But then we have other people um, from around the organization just come and do like a show and tell. And one of the managing partners was talking about her family, and that I think it was either her son, like her her son in law, um, is like a music producer, works in New York, and. She named some other pretty high-profile people that he's worked with, but one of the pe- one of the people he's worked with, she said, I don't, I don't, I don't remember his name, but it like has numbers in it, and he looks like like a rainbow goofball. Or she said something to <laughs> that effect, and I was like, oh my fucking god, she's talking about Takashi Six Nine, and that is <laughs> the best else way could I've you ever be talking anyone. about. <laughs> like I knew exactly what she was talking about. Like he's like got he looks weird. Like the I forget what, exactly what she described it, but it was amazing. I was like, wow. He, he, he's a gooba. Yeah, like I never thought that Takashi Six Nine would make its way into like a work meeting, but here we are. <laughs> it's twenty twenty. Gates are open, man. <laughs> this this is the chaos that we're we find ourselves within. This is this is truly the darkest timeline. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I think that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.